Hey, this is Cody Turner. In this episode of the podcast, I speak to one of my former students, Andrew Burns. Andrew is a rising senior at the University of Connecticut and is a computer science major. This past spring, Andrew and a few of his friends created an app called Vispro that went viral. Vispro is a kind of social media site that's tailored towards bros. And this past spring, the app suddenly reached the top 25 of Apple's download charts. And it even ranked as high as the third most popular social media app behind only Facebook and Facebook Messenger. And Forbes.com actually even wrote a piece on the app's sudden popularity. And I'll embed a link to that piece in the show notes. Recently, Andrew decided to shut down the app due to a sudden wave of misogyny that was polluting the app. And in this episode, I sit down with Andrew and he talks to me just about the entire journey, what it was like creating the app, what it was like suddenly going viral, what the ethical dilemma involved between uh, feeling the need to shut down the app, but also knowing the potential to monetize the app. And I thought it was a fascinating conversation. And I appreciate Andrew coming onto the podcast. So buckle your seatbelts. I give you Andrew Burns. Welcome to Tent Talks on the Shelter from the Storm Podcast Network, a place to talk the rain away with your host, Cody Turner. Storm coming, Mr. Wayne. But yeah, tell me about this app that you've been working on. Yeah. First, yeah, how did you get the idea for creating this app? Mm -hmm. And yeah, just describe the process. Yeah, so I actually thought of the idea last year. So I was a sophomore in my dorm. And we were just like talking about, I don't know what it was, we were like talking about Visco or something. And I was like, I was like, we should make a Visco for, for, for dudes. So wait, wait, what's Visco? So Visco is, um, it's like a photo, it's, I think it's like a mainly a photo editing app. Like they have really good features and stuff. Um, but like, like a lot of girls use it as like a place to like post their pictures. Like, um, and then they, uh, they like put like the link to their Visco account on their Instagram. And like mostly, it's mostly girls that use it. Uh, not many guys do, although like some do. But um, it's more like an artsy thing, kind of. So I was like, we should make like a Visco for dude, like just like as like a, a joke. So I like, so I made like a website, uh, like a quick website um, that night when I thought of it. And so like we just play around with it like for a couple weeks, me and my friends, and then we just like forgot about it. Um, but so then what happened was we came. So then like, uh, so then once like the quarantine happened, like I was home from school and I was like, okay, like I have a lot of time now. Like, I'm not going to classes and stuff, you know. But um. So I was like, I should just try it. Like, why not? I still like, I always thought like, okay, like it's fun. It's like a funny idea. Like it could work. Um, so I, uh, so we put the website back up and like started adding features and stuff. Um, and like people were like using it a little bit. We got to like 300 users about, but like no one was using it like every day. And like we would talk to people and they're like, hey, you should make an app. And we're just like, dude, like we don't want to make an app. Like this is so much work. Like it's just a joke. Like it's just Vispro. Um, and at the time I had one, two other friends helping me. Uh, just like working on it as a joke um, or just for fun. And then we made the app and uh, it was on the app store one day. So wait, how hard, how hard is it to create an app? So it's, it's not like terribly hard, but like, I guess like making a website super easy. You know, oh, it's so easy. Yeah. There's like, there's no approval process, right? You just buy a domain, you throw something up but with an app. It's like so much more difficult because you have to like be approved by Apple. You need to make it work on Android. You need to like, um, there's like so many different rules and stuff and just like a whole different, this is a lot harder. It probably like for a website, like the website version of it probably took like 
I mean, we could probably spin that up in like, you know, three, four days, maybe max. And then like an app, like, like the app we made took like two to three weeks. Wow. So it's a lot, it's a lot more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you go about advertising this at first? Yeah. So what we did was at first we just had our friends use it and like, they thought it was so funny. They put it in their Instagram bio. Like you get like a link of vispro.co slash, you know, Andrew to put in your... So what, can you describe this in more detail again, what exactly this is? Okay. Yeah. So basically we made Vispro. It's basically, it was basically a social media for guys. It's like a Visco for bros. So the original idea <laughs> was you just have like a place where you can post like all your fun and stupid pictures that you, you like wouldn't post anywhere else. Mm. Um, and it's just like a feed of you, like your profile image and your pictures. That was like literally the site at first. And then we're like, okay, well, let's add a little more. Why don't we add like a feed where you can see everyone's pictures? How, so how is this different than just a normal social media website like Facebook where you're sharing pictures? Yeah. I mean, it's different in a way where it's just like super simple, where it's literally just you and it's just like a stream of the pictures and there's like no interaction. But like, I think the main thing was that like something we learned along the way is that like there's certain things that you wouldn't post on Facebook that you would post on here. Right, um, right. Which, it's kind of like a politically incorrect yeah, version yeah. of Instagram or exactly, something like that. Exactly, and like, like by like having like almost like this different community, different feel of it. Like people, it's like a very different app. Um, mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't post pictures like like they, like they had the whole thing like you know me on Tinder, me on Instagram, me on Facebook, whatever. Like it's <laughs> right, very di- right. it's the same. You, you present different versions of yourself. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. So this was like bringing out like people like posting their like funny and bro pics. Like they wouldn't post that anywhere else. There was no other place. I mean, unless if you're like sending in a group chat, you know. Right. It's interesting that uh, Facebook started as a kind of politically incorrect site where you're just rating girls yeah. based on their hotness, right? And yeah. Developed into yeah what, now, it, is what now. it is now. But so so we had the, the, the just the feed where it was just your pictures and you get the link. You can share your link. And then we're like, okay, let's add a little more. So we added like the home feed where you just see all the continuous posts. You know, everyone who's on the site, which wasn't much. Um, and so then what we did is we found emails of like thousands of frat presidents across America. Because we're like, okay, like frat guys are probably like this, you know. So we emailed like thousands <laughs> of frat presidents. And like a lot of them were like, hey, like most of them didn't respond. But some of them were like, oh, this is cool. Like I'll check it out and make an account. Yeah. And so like we got, you know, we picked off a few people here and there to make accounts. But like the, we didn't like get anyone sharing it, didn't get any traction. Like we were tracking how many people put it in their Instagram bio, you know, the link on their Twitter or Instagram. And those maybe like 10 people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like going that well. Um, and then we added like fist bumps so you could like bump posts, like giving them likes. Um, <laughs> and we like intentionally did like... So a fist bump is the equivalent of a like? Yeah. So we, we intentionally did it so that like you could give zero to 50 bumps or 20, whatever, because like it made it look like there was more people on the site. Because <laughs> if you get like two bumps, you'd be like, oh, this is lame. But if you get like, you know, 300, that may only be like six people, but it feels a lot cooler. Oh, so one person can give multiple bumps right, and yeah. you don't know that it's one person. Right. You don't know. So like you, you so you <laughs> might think like, oh shit, I have 300 people liking this. Yeah, I'm blowing up right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then we did that. And so then we were like just going with it and we were talking to people and we were like, we, we, so some of the people were like, Hey, this is like a funny idea. And we're like, okay, like, why aren't you using it? Like, why aren't you sharing it? Like what, like something's missing. Like obviously something's not clicking. Mm-hmm. And we talked to people and they're like, oh, like, I just don't use a website. Like I don't check back. I just forget about it. Like you guys should make an app. And like, everyone was like, make an app, make an app, make an app. And we just did it, didn't want to do it. It's too much work. But then eventually I was like, you know what, maybe we should just go for it. So um, how many users did you have on the platform at this point? Probably like 300, like two to 300, but probably daily active users like two. 
Okay. Like not a lot. Like it was very dead. Yeah, yeah. Like you were like really pushing so hard to like like up uphill just to get one user a day. Right, right. Yeah. So um so then we we decided, you know what, like we're just gonna make the app. Um and you know, it took like so I knew I'd done app development just making iOS apps, but I've never done like we wanted to make it like cross platform, so it'd be you know, iOS and Android at the same time using like React Native, it's called. And I didn't know that. So I just like learned that on the fly um, and made the app. And I had my friend help with some of the server stuff. And I helped with that too. Um, so we just like took like two to three weeks. It was like, you know, I got to the point where I was like, at first we're like, let's just throw a shitty app together and just like say, here, here's your app. Uh, but then we were like, you know, like if we're going to do it, we may as well do it well. Uh, let's not like half-ass it. So uh, finally we finished the app. We tested it with some friends. And this is like a funny story. So we were trying to get this guy to help us with, with, with growth and marketing. Um, one of our founders friends and the guy at first was like, Oh, this is a funny idea. Like it's cool. And then literally the day before we launched the app, he called us back and he was like, guys, like, you know, you guys seem great, but I just don't think the idea is going to work. I just don't see it. Like, I, you know, you guys should try something else, whatever X, Y, Z. Like he's like, guys, you know, I don't want to be part of it. So what was he going to do for you exactly? He was going to help just with like some marketing and growth stuff. Okay. Was just get it point? out there. Yeah. It was at that point we were radar. like, we were like struggling to find anyone to use it. Right. right. We were like, you know, this guy's in a frat, like he could probably help. Um, but he like turned us down and then we're like, all right, you know, we'll just keep going. Um, so we released the app onto the app. We actually had trouble with Apple at first. Was at first our logo was, um, we were kind of like on fine line, like legally because, you know, we were clear parody of Visco. Um, and like parody law is legal, but you have to like be careful about like, trademarks and stuff. And um, you were calling it Frisco? Vis, uh, Visbro. Oh, Visbro. Yeah, VSBRO <laughs> right, right, right. instead of Visco. Right. Um, so at first our logo included Visco's logo. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, a, you know, we edited their logo and Apple was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and then we like did a couple of more things and they were still like, you know, it's too similar. You know, you don't want to mislead people into thinking they're downloading the wrong app. Um, but finally we got accepted. We were like, thank God. Um, so it was on the app store for like one day. We were just sending it to some friends. We were still just messaging like hundreds of people a day, just randomly on Instagram. We found, um, and the, so what happened was this one kid. We messaged him, and he was like, "Hey, like I have a TikTok account. Can I make a TikTok?" And we're like, "Dude, go for it, whatever." Um, so like a couple of days passed, nothing had happened, and then all of a sudden one night, my friend texts me. And he's like, dude, like people are signing up. Who are these people? I'm like, I don't know. Like, so what's happening? And we go and check this guy's TikTok account. And it turns out he had like 80,000 followers. And the TikTok was like blowing up. It was going viral. Like it ended up with like over a million views. Wow. So the first night we went from 300 users to 20,000. Dude, that's what's insane just about the whole social media atmosphere that we're living in is all it takes is, you know, one person to retweet you on Twitter who has a huge following for you to suddenly just take off. Yeah. Whether it's your Twitter account or a podcast or whatever it is. Like it can happen so quickly. Yeah. I mean, it did. It was literally like a flip of a switch. It was literally, I think like we started getting users flowing in like around eight o'clock and then by like two, eight, two, three a.m. when I went to sleep, um, when I passed out, it was like 20, it was like 15,000. When I woke up in the morning, it was 20,000. Like, and it just took this one guy. But I mean, people started reposting it and like making their own, you know, TikToks and stuff. But it was just crazy because like we didn't anticipate at all. And they, that's when shit hit the fan. Like, so people were like, something I learned is the minute you make anything of value, people are trying to tear it down just for fun. Oh, yeah. So we have people like posting spamming porn, just, like trying to spam accounts and stuff. Like we were under like huge attacks. 
Um, but we were actually down so much as we had to like shut it down to fix the problems, but people still kept coming. Even though we were down, they were still downloading it and signing up. What do you mean you had to shut it down to fix the problems? Like Apple required you to? No, like, so we just shut our server down um, because like we were just getting spam with porn and we were just like, okay, like if someone logs onto the app, they're just going to see a stream of porn. This isn't going to help the app grow at all. So we're like, we got to take this down for like a few minutes to fix it. So we were down like for like an hour at a time the first night and people were still flocking to it because they were just so like, so for some reason they loved it so much. They were just willing to wait. (laughs) It was crazy. So where did it go from there? Yeah, so I woke up in the morning and I was like, like at first I was like, oh my god, what is going? On? Like, it was like. So were you also were you thinking about monetizing it at this point? Was that in the back of your head? Like, wow, uh, we've created an app, we have all of these people yeah. on it. At what point can I start to? I mean, it was definitely like in the back of my mind, I think. But I think at the time we were just so like deeply entrenched and trying to fight these different battles of like keeping the site up, keeping the trolls away, like you know how are we gonna you know because our code like too was like starting to fail because there's so many users, it was under so much strain. And the funny thing is, so we were running in my server, my friend's basement in a server. He has like this server set up in his basement. So we were literally set up on there from zero users to 60,000 users. And like it tripped his circuit breaker. Like he thought his house was going to blow up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so um, you ended up taking it down. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I'll finish the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. going through it. But so, so I woke up in the morning. I called my friend who's like a, a founder of a company and she's like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Like she started connecting me to like different investors and stuff. And I was like, whoa, like I just went from being like this random kid making this app to like all of a sudden something big um, or we thought, but um, when was all this happening again? It was three, three weeks ago, three weeks three, ago, three, four weeks ago. Okay. Um, so we got to like the second day we were at 40,000 users. Um, and then by the end of the week we were at 80,000, I think um, all based on basically from this one TikTok. We had Barstool retweet us or tweeted us, tweeted about us, a uh, bunch of TikToks and stuff. We were oh yeah, Forbes also wrote an article about us. He just like emailed what? Like, yeah, so bro, so, I didn't realize it was like that. Yeah, so Forbes emailed this guy from Forbes. I got an email, my personal email, not even our company one. He like found me, and he was like, hey, like I'm from Forbes. Like, can I, you know, uh, can I, you know, interview you? And I was like, I look, I had to look him up. I had to make sure it was actually Forbes, not some like, <laughs> like is this thing. real? Yeah, am I dreaming? But yeah, so they wrote an article about us. That was cool. What did they say? Was it a glowing article? Just it kind of keeping praise upon you? So the guy was like definitely like enthralled with it. So at the time too, like we had a lot of bad content on our app. Because like, like we didn't plan to having to moderate content. We just like, we didn't even think about it. We were just like, oh, you know, guys will just post funny pictures. We didn't think guys will start posting nudes of girls and start posting like bullying posts, like bullying and porn and all the, know, all the dark corners of the internet yeah, started doxing, to seep into yeah, the app. Yeah, like doxing people and stuff. So Jeez. first thing we did was like we implemented just like uh, a moderation dashboard so we could just do it. We got a team of moderators in our app to do it, help out. Then we just, you know, like did some APIs, you know, some AI stuff for for um, for porn and um, nudity to get rid of that. But like then we figured out something like people are posting screenshots of phone numbers. So we figured that out. Um, but like, it's so hard to stop bullying. Like there's no, yeah. like, you know, ex- there's no code for bullying, you know? Yeah. And also if, if you have a certain number of users, it's just unrealistic to presume that you'd be able to moderate all of the bad content. There's just yeah. an overwhelming amount of content, right? Especially when it's like a continuous stream. Like when you, when you go on Facebook, like there's people posting terrible things, but you'll never see it. But like on this app, when you open it up, the way we had it designed was when you open it up, you see all the bad things <laughs> happening live. Right, right. So it's kind of like Twitter in yeah, that sense. Yeah, so it's like a live stream. Right. Um, 
So, so we had some problems. The Forbes article was like, the guy really loved us. Um, he could have written like a massive hit piece on us, but he was like really awesome. He really, basically the whole theme of it was like, you know, we built this really cool thing. You know, we we're blowing up. It was like a really awesome story, but like a lot of bad things are happening on it. And like, you know, he let us kind of talk on that and explain like how we're trying to fix it, you know? Um, and like, you know, he did, he did explain there were bad things happening, but you know, we, we, we said, we said, you know, we're trying to fix it. We're not just okay with it. Yeah. Um, I love how or, how organic the whole process was. Like yeah. this wasn't some dream that you've been planning to implement for years, but yeah. it was just kind of something that you decided to do when you were bored and had some free time. Yeah. And then it just kind of randomly took off with one TikTok user. And suddenly yeah. you have mainstream institutions that are taking an interest in you. Yeah. I mean, like it wasn't something we planned. Like literally the whole time, like, even to this day, like when we were doing it, we were like, I can't believe we built like a, an app as a joke. Right. Like literally as a joke. <laughs> and it did this. Um, and the thing, the funny, again, that's kind of like Facebook, right? Yeah. He was just like doing, just doing, building stuff. Yeah, I think that's like what stuff. it is, dude. Like people just like, if you just start building things, like eventually something will just take off. Dude, I feel like just on, as a side note, that's one of my biggest problems in life, just being too perfectionistic yeah. about things. Yeah. Like I can never get started on something right. until I know um, my vision for what that thing is going to be is completely fine grained and everything is perfect. Yeah. But it's just the biggest impediment to actually making progress. I yeah. feel like that's the way to do it. You just have to start building stuff, start messing around with stuff yeah, and good things happen. it'll take off from there. Yeah. I mean, the founder of LinkedIn said, if you're, I mean, this applies to everything. Really. He said, if you're not embarrassed by your first version, then you, you waited too long. Right. Um, so we were embarrassed by our first version. It sucked, right. but people loved it. And we just kept building um, and building. But it was funny because like even before like it blew up, like I kept telling people, I was like, I have a really good feeling about this. Like I can show you the text it was so funny. I was like, I texted everyone. I was like, this is going to blow up. I have a feeling. And then it did. <laughs> um, but yeah, where we're going. Um, so yeah, the Forbes article was, was not, wasn't bad. It was good. There was a few like hit pieces like on us, like from, what was the Forbes article called? Um, it was, it was called like Vispro, like the internet's frat house or something, which is funny <laughs> because we intended it to be an internet, like to be like a fratty type thing. You're not even like, you, are you a frat person? No, no, I'm pretty far from it. You don't strike yeah. me as a typical frat boy. No, it's funny because like my friend was like, he's like, this is like so not you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The things we did like as a joke, not to like make fun of those people, but just like as like a joke about that culture. Right, right. Um, but um yeah, you pulled the article. Yeah, um, I'm just looking it up. Um, yeah, but it, see, we turned. We thought it would be like mostly frat people, mostly college students. But it turned out, I'd say the better the better way to put our our app was basically the high school boys' bathroom, right. <laughs> instead of the that. This is what it turned into. We found out that like, um, if you build something for college kids, and college kids thinks it's cool, thinks it's kind of cool, then high schoolers want to be college kids. So Here we like, go. I got so yeah. I'm looking at the article right now. This is by Abram Brown. The Internet's frat house. Meet Vispro, an app for bros that's gone viral. (laughs) A bunch of bored juniors at a New England college hacked together a digital way to connect with each other, passing around messages and liking each other's photos. The thing takes off much more quickly than they could have expected, prompting enormous growth and igniting problems that need to be put out fast. Wow, this is crazy, man. Yeah. I'm just I'm, so I'm definitely gonna include this uh, Forbes article as a link in the podcast yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, no, keep going. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there was like definitely. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely in the end, most of our users were probably 15 to 17 guys, 15, 15 to 17 year old guys. Um, 
So is, are, is there a comment feature as well? Is it just sharing photos? Just photos. And just could, photos. So we also added, you could like add bros <laughs> instead of friends. Um, so you have like your bro feed. And there are no girls allowed. No. Well, okay. Girls were allowed. Like, like it was obviously like a bro centric app, obviously, but like we had a lot of girls who loved it, who really loved the joke. We thought it was hilarious. Like we were, like we were, like we were fine with girls signing up. We, we like encouraged that. Um, but the problem was our users did not. <laughs> a lot of our users did not like when girls posted, right? Which became like one of the biggest. Get issues. out of here, girls! Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It, it kind of sucks because like it didn't, it didn't like inf- impact like them at all. Like the thing is, like they, I think in the end they they wanted like their own space. A lot of the guys and like mm. they thought they thought like this a was safe like, space for the frat bros. Yeah, yeah. They thought this was like their safe space, and like any girls coming on there were like impeding on their space, which is kind of like ridiculous. Like, like if it's like you know. I don't, I don't see why it should matter. Like, if there's girls on there, who cares? Like, you know, they yeah. have the right. Like, They like it. Yeah, they like it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, we, we kind of cursed ourselves with the name, though. It was like, you know, like it was a blessing and a curse. It was like, this bro instantly, everyone thought it was hilarious. They loved it. They got it. Yeah. Um, but it also caused a lot of problems because, like, all of a sudden, girls who wanted to come on, like, a lot of our users were like, oh, you're not a bro. Get out of here, um, which is not what we wanted. Like, it's actually funny. Like, some of our first users were actually girls. Um, because like they were like some friends who were like, this is so funny. I want to make a Vispro. Yeah. And, uh, fortunately a lot of our users were assholes. So. Yeah. That's, I forget someone was, um, making that point to me recently about marketing. Like you, you don't want to box yourself in mm. by, with the title that you give to whatever yeah. you're creating, because if you want to expand and include right. different kinds of content in the future, you might not be able right. to, if it goes against what the title of the thing that you're creating yeah. is. I mean, the thing is, we didn't even plan for any of this. Because, like, we literally did it as a joke. Um, mm. So we didn't plan for any of this to happen. Um, yeah, so we, so we added the bro feed, the new feed, then we added trending. Because we were like, okay, at first it was just a new feed. So when you log into the app, you just see a stream of shit. So we're like, okay, we need to make it so when you first log on, you see like at least what people think are good posts. Turns out people thought good posts were hating women <laughs> uh, and like, you know, just stupid shit. I mean, some of the posts were cool. Like some of the posts were like fun pictures with their friends, but a lot of it was like, like this girl posted here, like, you know, get her out of here or like, you know, like ex- the most thing we saw so much was so stupid. They were like, how many bumps for me to break up with my girlfriend? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> I do love the fist bump. Yeah. People love that. Um, and our, in, I mean, dude, we had like hundreds of Bundy, DMs. Bro. We couldn't have, we had like hundreds of DMs, like thousands of emails. It was crazy. Uh, people like went nuts for this stuff. We started adding like. It has reached the top 20. Sorry, I'm just. Yeah, yeah. It has reached the top 25 of Apple's download charts. Yeah, we were. Dude, no, I feel like you're downplaying how big this is. Yeah, dude, we, 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 got, we got to number 21 on the App Store. Oh my God. And we, God, were, we were the number three social app. Number three social app, only behind Facebook and Messenger. Like we beat out like Twitter, like um, this is Discord. insane. Like I mean, it wasn't for long; it was for a couple of days. But still, do you like? Yeah, no, like, still. <laughs> the companies above us were like, were like you know around us were like billion dollar companies. And even if we did it for just like a day or two, like I, dude, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> the app has spiked in popularity because, like most people in quarantine, the world's bros are missing their bros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. As you say, eventually it turns into kind of a, a a place that's just fostering misogyny. 
Yeah. Against women. So yeah, we actually had a call from Apple actually called us out of the blue. Really? Yeah. So normally when you up when you have an app, like you can't talk to anyone there. But because we we got so high on the boards, they were like they literally assigned someone to us. Tim Cook, just personally. <laughs> yeah. But this like, girl, hey. but this girl must have been like, why did they assign me to this? <laughs> because she called us and she's like, you know, uh, we got some complaints about your app. You're gonna have to like fix this, otherwise we're taking you down. So we're like, okay, like we're on it. We tried like so many things to moderate content, like a lot. But what it basically came down to was. Like there was one night where I went to like go moderate content, delete some stuff. And I was just like, I don't enjoy this. This is awful. Like having to delete this stuff. It was like, this stuff isn't stuff that's like tucked away in the corner. It has like hundreds of thousands of votes, like upvotes. Um, so this is like stuff where you just want to see. Number one, number two, there's like a lot of that content of like misogyny, just being like, just, you know, just doing not nice things. Um, and yeah. it got to the point where I was like, okay, like, what's good coming out of this app? Like, you know, people like a place for guys to post their like funny pictures or drunk pictures or yeah, at his best, maybe like, you know, supporting each other. Like, you know, Hey, I just, you know, did the, I just graduated. Give me some bumps. Okay, cool. But at worst, it was like girls getting doxxed, like, you know, like some really bad incidents with that. Like, you know, it was just like really bad things. And I was like, is this not worth keeping it up for a number of reasons? And that was like one of them. Right. Right. So you ended up deciding to take it down. Yeah, so I took it down. Um, so what happened was there was a really bad incident one night. I'm not going to really say too much on what it was, but it was a really bad incident. And I was like, okay, like, we got to shut it down for tonight. We can't let this happen again. So we shut it down for the night. And, like, you know, the team was upset, like, understandably. It was like, we worked on this, like, really hard for, like, a couple of weeks. Like, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, like, we were up all night, like, for two weeks, whatever, three weeks. Um, so, like, it sucks to, like, you know, have it down. And, and then in the morning, like everyone was still upset and like, I was upset too, but I was like, you know what? Like we need to really think about this. Like what's the best thing that comes out of this? Like we were talking to some investors who wanted to invest in us, believe it or not. And I was like, I don't really want to like, if you take money or start working on this, like we're locked in for two years on this. Like, do I want to be known or do I, do I like feel good about working on this? Like, not really. I feel like there's so much better we can do. So I was like, you know, we should just shut it down. Like while we're ahead before something really bad happens and someone gets hurt and we're screwed forever, like let's just stop while we're ahead and just regroup and try something else. Mm. So you're kind of um, betting on your future self. It's like, I know there, there are going to be yeah. more opportunities in the future. Yeah. I've already proven that yeah. I have the capability and my team right. has the capability to create something that's able to pop. Yeah. Why not create something that we believe in and that we believe is doing more good in the world. This yeah. isn't going to be the only opportunity that we have. Yeah. So that was like the main thing was like, I was like, it's not a good hill to die to die on. It's not the right hill to die on. So like, so the, the main that reason, money though. Yeah. So we did have an investment offer and they were like really wanted to take it, but I was like really hesitant because like right when you start taking money, like you're on the hook for a lot of responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when it becomes like, real, yeah. Real. And we were like, you know, they would have valued us at like, you know, millions of dollars. Oh my God. And like for this bro up we made and like, you know, I understand like that feels so cool, but I've like been around startups and stuff to know enough that like, that's not real money. It's just like a made up valuation, you know? Mm. Um, so we weren't really worth that. Like we were reaching out to like Barstool and different companies to work with us and buy, you know, potentially buy us. And like no one wanted to touch us. We were going to have a hard time getting advertisers um, on this platform. And so basically like the main reasons I shut down, like number one, like someone was going to get hurt. Something, some bad thing was going to happen. Um, number two, like, like it wasn't worth us like risking our careers over this at the age of 20 or 21. Like we have so much better we can do. Especially in this climate. Yeah, with exactly. the cancel culture, yeah, as dude. they say. So people were already starting to hate us, like, which is fine. I get it. I understand why people don't like it. Like, you know, it's fine. Um, but like, that's another thing. I was like, how is it going to look if we take an investment and you've seen the news, like 
bro app gets, you know, X number of dollars and, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars investment, whatever. And, you know, um, like in this climate, dude, like, I mean, not, not, not like this climate's like necessarily bad. Like, you know, there's some good, a lot of good things coming out of, you know, like putting things under a microscope, but like then we'd be under that microscope. Um, and like, you know, the thing is like, if something bad did happen, like if something bad happens on Twitter, it's not Twitter's fault. No one blames Twitter for the most part, but if something bad happens on a bro app that is knowingly creating an environment for this to happen, like, sure, would we win in the court? Yes, but in the court of public opinion, we'd be screwed. Right. Like, we'd be done. We'd be blacklisted, like, from everywhere. Like, you know, we wouldn't be, like, you know, it'd be really hard for us in the future. You don't want this to be how you're first known in the court of public opinion. Yeah, You want to be known for something the more that you believe in. And if we shut it down, like, if we shut it down, you know, like, which I thought was the right thing to do. Like, I think, you know, even if people hated the app and they totally thought we were assholes for making it, like, I hope they would at least respect that we shut it down, like, for the right reason, you know? Um, and, you know, we went out, like, hopefully as close to the top as we could, but it wasn't worth finding out where the top was, you know, it's going to fall off a cliff. So were you uh, the main person that made the decision to shut it down? Yeah. Were so, your team members on board or were they really pissed about it? So this? they were pretty pissed, like, understandably, because, like, you know, we're so emotionally invested into this thing. I think now they're kind of, like, more, like, understanding, um, you know, why why we did it, um, why I decided to do it. But, like, I was, like, the CEO of the company. It was, like, my decision. Um, and I thought, like, I really thought, like, it was best for all of us. Like, if something bad happened and if it kept going, like, it would have been bad for all of our futures, not just me. And it wasn't like I was, like, screwing them out of anything. I wasn't like, oh, I'm taking the company and running, you know? I was literally, like, I lost, like, thousands of dollars on this, <laughs> you know, like, of my own money. I was doing it just because it was, like, the right thing to do. And it was Just because of how much money you put into it, you're saying? Yeah, it's, so, like, server costs and stuff right, right. Um, and, like, lawyer fees and stuff. Um, was, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but like then again, I pay you know how much to go to UConn, and I learned nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a hard decision. Like, like you know, making the right decision. I mean, who knows if it was the right one? I, I thought it was the right decision, but like, it's not always popular to do what you think is right. Um, sometimes it's very unpopular, but like, you just have to stick to it. You know? Did you feel responsible? I mean, this goes to the responsibility yeah. thing that you wanted to talk about. Did so, you feel responsible for all the stuff that was happening on the app? In some sense. I would say yes. I mean, people definitely brought up some points like, you know, people get catfished on, you know, Tinder and get killed or whatever, or people get doxxed on Twitter, but it's really different when it's you. Like, it's really easy for those people to say that, but like when it's your app happening, like in the app store has your name on it, like people for public to see, it's like so different. And like, also just like the thought of like, we made this thing that like, you know, these people could get really hurt from. It's like, it's like tough because, you know, like it's definitely our responsibility in a way. But then again, it's an open platform, you know, and we didn't intend for it to do that. We're trying our best to stop it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think what it came down to was just like the community was fostering, we thought like wasn't good. Like it was basically becoming, we thought it was basically becoming like Gen, like 4chan for Gen Z. <laughs> that's like, that's like what, like looking back, basically what we were kind of making, it was starting to go into. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, hey, some people are fine with making 4chan, but I don't want to be the guy who owns 4chan. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, have you thought about the different design features that you didn't realize would really influence how people interacted on it, right. and would really influence just kind of how the nature of it and what it evolved yeah. into? Like you, like you said, like they had the live yep. uh, sh- update. Like, yeah. are, are there particular examples of design features that you, or design decisions that you made when you're initially constructing the app that you, a 
upon reflection would have said, oh, we should have done that differently because we can see that people abused or manipulated right. this design feature and it kind of led to more toxicity than it uh, maybe yeah. had to. I mean, I would say just off the bat, the good decisions we made, people were asking for comments and videos and we said absolutely not because that would have been a mess if we had comments and videos. But in terms of things we would have changed, I mean, I think the bro feature we would have kept because like that's something where you have to go out of your way to find someone and add them as a friend. And it's like, it makes things more like private. It makes it so like you can't like foster that kind of uh, community. I would say the new feed we probably wouldn't have done because this is a constant stream. And I think we would have made the trending page not like user generated, like user. It would have been like a mix between, okay, what are users voting for? And like at first, like, okay, what do we think is like actually good content to show? Mm -hmm. um, but then it may not have, it may have like just died because maybe people, like a lot of people, like the first couple of days, like they were on it because they just wanted to see the stream of shit. They mm. wanted to see the shit show unfolding. That's what people loved. Dude, like our daily just users love watching the world burn. Yeah, dude. Like because our daily actives like dropped a lot. Like when we started, you know, um, like changing some of that stuff. Yeah. But, like because the first couple of days, dude, it was just like a shit show, and like people just couldn't look away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about um, how I think Facebook used to just have the like feature, mm -hmm. but then they now have a range of different emoticons yep. that, to express different emotions, and how. Um, in some sense, that might be helpful because there's just so much ambiguity surrounding the different uh, norms on social media. Yeah. Like, does a retweet on Twitter equal an endorsement? Or right. just because you like something or heart something on Twitter, does that mean you're endorsing it? Right. Or does it mean maybe you hate it? And yeah. a lot of times it's unclear. And I found that um, you can... You can uh, come to have a belief about what your certain certain friends think or what their political views are that are that's completely wrong just because you're misinterpreting yeah. what their interactions on social media say about their worldview. Right. Yeah, I mean that's good that's a good point. We didn't really think about it. I mean, we just thought of a bump as like like an upvote on Reddit. But then again, like some things on Reddit are so upvoted that people hate because they just want to put it to the top, you know, so everyone can see it. Like you said, um, we didn't even think about that. That's a good point. It may have made a difference. Um I don't know, but then it, it's like tough. Um, it's tough. I don't know. I, I think a lot of, it may have helped, but like also like a lot of the things that were like continually going to the top were like things that were like, yeah. just like bad content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was also, I was talking with a philosopher recently and he was just talking about, or we're considering different ways you might redesign some of these big tech platforms so as to foster, uh, more epistemically healthy conversation. Mm. And he was suggesting that maybe instead of emoticons, we have a uh, justified by the evidence button, not justified by the evidence, need to know more. Yeah. And that would uh, induce people to be less emotional and right. to be more epistemically responsible and engaging with the platform. But he made the point that, no, ultimately, um, ultimately the nature of these platforms is emotion sharing and outrage right. and people oh, yeah. will end up using those buttons to express emotion justified by the evidence yeah. will be, I like this. Yeah. You know, so you can't, even if you imagine different ways to design it, you can't get around the fact that people are going to use it in a certain way. They're going to use it for, again, the expression of emotions. Right. I think you're right. I think like, I think it'll just become what the users want it to be. Yeah. Like, our, a great example. We built our platform to be one thing, and it became whatever the users wanted it to be. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So does that mean maybe that means that you're less responsible for it because Ooh. so much of it is out of your control? Like you can do your best to design it in a certain way. Also, I did want yeah. to talk about the so Section Two Thirty of the Communications Decency Act. Yeah, my understanding of what that is is, um, 
Well, yeah, I want to talk about that and just like the general question as to what you think the nature of these big tech companies are. Are they platforms? Mm. Are they publishers? Um, I just did some reading on what it is. And my understanding is there, a lot of times there's this false binary setup between being a platform and a publisher. The mm. idea is either you're a publisher and you're making editorial decisions mm. and therefore you're responsible for everything on your platform right. um, or on your site, or you're a platform, kind of like a phone company, and you don't make any editorial decisions, but you're responsible for nothing. And right. Section 230 comes in and says, wait, hold on, that's a false binary. Um, we should recognize that a lot of these big tech companies, they can't be responsible for all of the content just because there's so much, right. but we should still let them have so, the ability to make some editorial decisions just, and to censor some just outrageous content right. like uh, demonstrable hate speech yeah. or doxing information. So they should have editorial powers with, without being held liable for everything. And that's what mm. Section 230 allows. Yeah. And there's been a lot of pushback recently by Trump and conservatives because they're saying a lot of these big tech companies are abusing this power to not uh, you know just censor doxing information, but to actually engage in ideological censorship and to censor yeah. conservative views. Mm. So they're kind of abusing what the original intent was behind Section 230 and and are shielded from not being held liable while also engaging in censorships. The conservatives are saying, we need to uh, get rid of Section 230. If they're going to engage in censorship against conservatives, they should, they should be able, they should be held liable. They shouldn't get that protection. Yeah. And of course, the liberals are also attacking Section 230 for the complete opposite reason. They're saying that they, no, they should be engaging in more censorship. Yeah. They're, they're allowing too much hate speech on it. So there's this whole debate yeah. that's been breaking out. I mean, it's tough. I mean, like, just, I mean, not to say we, we like, had any of those problems. Like, we had, like, a very, very tiny, 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 tiny glimpse of that. But we did make a lot of decisions that, you know, I mean, we, we were all, like, everyone on the team is, like, pretty pro-free speech. Like, we're, like, big internet people, open source, that whole deal, like. But, like, it got to the point where we were, like, okay, like, if we let people do whatever they want, like, we're going to have no app. This app will take us down. Like, people, you know, will be in court, whatever, over these things. So, like, we had to make some choices of, like, removing some content that, like, maybe was fine, right? Maybe it was fine. And, like, there was a lot of political stuff. Like, there was some political stuff posted on our platform. And we were, like, it was, like, a tough decision. Like, okay, like, we don't really want any political stuff on here. But, like, we're just not going to touch it. It's not worth touching any political stuff. Um Unless if it was, like, really bad. We had some, like, there was some, it was tough. Like, if you leave it up, like, we're partly responsible for people seeing it and for what it happens because of it. But at the same time, some user posted it. But I think we were, like, a different case because, like, we were more responsible because we were, like, the small bro app versus, like, you know, if you're Twitter, it's just an open platform. But then it's the question, like, should Facebook be able to control that? I mean, they're, they're a private company. Maybe they should. I mean, if you don't like Facebook, you can, you can leave. Um, Do you have a general opinion as to whether... Like, do you think that these companies are monopolies and maybe we should break them up? Or are you more of the libertarian mindset yeah. that says, like, you know, if the consumers, if enough of the consumers become unsatisfied with the platform, then in the marketplace, there'll be another platform that arises yeah. and that'll compete with Facebook. We already yeah. seen that that happened with MySpace back in the early right. 2000s. Maybe something similar will happen moving forward. I don't know. It's tough. I think I think the problem with Facebook and these big companies, they're so diversified like Facebook literally isn't just Facebook. They have WhatsApp, Instagram, like they're buying up so many things. Yeah. So they are like in a way a monopoly, but like Google it, has YouTube, right? Yeah, Google has YouTube. They have way more like stuff than you'd even imagine. But it's tough. Like, should we break them up? Like, I don't know, like they're private companies. So it's like on one hand, like I'm kind of torn. I wouldn't say break them up. I would say like I think there needs to be like more 
it's tough. It's a really tough one because like, it is, yeah. Because like if know. that was, I'm thinking like if that was me, say Vispro, we like, you know, was a, ended up being a billion dollar company, you know, like, like you can say like, hey, Mark Zuckerberg built this. Like, how are you to take it away from him or split it up? Like, you know, he did something right. He's giving people what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it becomes a problem when he's abusing it. And when he has, like you said, like a monopoly where no one has a choice. But I mean, I think you do have a choice. You, you can just, you can log off of Facebook. Yeah, you do, I guess. But I I sympathize with that. But I also sympathize with people that say that, you know, a lot of our life these days takes place online. Yeah. Like in, in some sense, like the social square, so to speak, does exist in the digital realm. And these platforms are arguably akin to something like the digital public square. Yeah. So by, by censoring yeah. someone, you know, so I guess it's like a conversation about what is the nature of these mm. companies anymore? Are they just private companies or ha- do they play a more uh, foundational role just yeah. in like our, our public discourse and stuff like that? And just like, just the inordinate power of these big tech companies is mind boggling to me. Mm. In some sense, I feel like they have almost as much power as, as government in some yeah. ways, just in terms of their ability to influence the public conversation and influence yeah. politics. Yeah. I mean, look at AWS, like, you know, Amazon, like, so AWS, like we were on our, our stuff was on AWS. Like literally if Amazon said, you know, Hey, screw this, we're going to shut, start shutting servers down and like whatever, like they would shut down like 50% of the internet, like probably like like, you know, like 50% of the internet runs on AWS. Like everything would be down. So mm-hmm. like they have this, like that, that is almost even more scary. They could literally shut down the entire world, Amazon, if they right. wanted to. The entire world would be shut down. That's what I'm saying. Like these are the informational uh, pipelines yeah. through which society like runs now. Now, yeah, yeah, not just for discourse, but like, yeah, Amazon. Yeah, like movement servers, data. They could just say, screw this. We're taking all your data or deleting it if they felt like it. Yeah. And everyone would be screwed. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. And I yeah, I know Twitter recently made the decision. Was it Twitter? Yeah, I think Twitter made the decision not to run political ads okay. for the upcoming presidential yeah. election. Reddit, Reddit just banned a lot of subreddits. Oh, yeah, I saw that in the past couple yeah. of days. Did they Zoom, ban- Zoom too. Really? Do you see Zoom did? No, what did they do? Um, so there was like this group of like, uh, this organized event of like pro Tiananmen Square people, or I don't know what the word is, but just like very... Um, you know, anti-Chinese, you know, communist, whatever, in America, this group of... Oh, like, like pro, like, talking about it? Pro, yeah, Not exactly. Pro the method, the no, 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 like, against, you know, against the Chinese government, like, group right. in America, and they were having this conference on it, and Zoom shut it down. Oh, I, th- I think, actually, yeah. this did hit my radar. Yeah, but Wait, the Reddit, so, that's insane. Yeah, they just shut it down, and they acknowledged it, too. They said, yeah, we did that. What? what? I, I didn't read too much into it, but they Is did. Is Zoom... Yeah. in cahoots with the Chinese Communist Party? I don't think so. I think they're, Amer- they're an American company. Then why would they shut it down? Because I, I know I that know. in China, if you try to search the Tiananmen Square Massacre of 1989, yeah. you can't find it right. just because they have the Great Chinese Firewall or whatever yeah. it's called. I don't know. I don't know Zoom's like investors and I mean, it may have something to do with investors and, you know, different influences. I'm not sure. That seems like a crazy one to me because usually yeah. it's, you know. And that's affecting no one. It's just, Yeah, that's affecting no one. If it's like yeah. some, con, you know, far right conservative right. Trump supporters, I'd be like, all right, that's controversial, but yeah. kind of yeah. it makes sense given a lot of what's going on. But just something right. that's. Well, not even that. I mean, it doesn't like literally it's not like you go on Zoom and everyone in the world sees they're having a thing. It's like such a private thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> they, yeah, it's not. It could have like, been at a hotel if it wasn't. If it wasn't coronavirus, you know. Yeah, who's it hurt? Who's it influencing? If it's yeah, just a private conversation. Yeah, that, that one's weird. It's different. Like the Reddit one, because like there's some of the subreddits were like really promoting like a lot of bad things. 
So that's, that's a tough insane. One. I want to look that one up. Yeah, the Reddit one was interesting. Um, so yeah, what did they take down on Reddit? I know they took down... They took down the Donald. <laughs> they took down the Donald, which they is took, like the yeah. prominent conservative Reddit page for if you want Trump to, supporters. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, I'm not sure if it's even conservative. Um, oh, is it, is it well, even more nefarious? I, I think I think it became that. It was like very much just straight Donald. It wasn't like, you know, Republican, conservative. Oh, just... Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't really It was a straight Donald Trump, I believe. Um, and then the... The other one was some really left-wing thing. I forgot what it was. Chapo something. I forgot what it was. Um, okay, so they're, they're, they were, they didn't just take down pages that were conservative. It was kind of... It was a mix. It was, it a, was mix a mix bag. of ideologies. Yeah. But people were mad because there is... Apparently, there's this one subreddit that's like um, very pro-China, whatever. Um, and everyone was mad. Like, why do you take this one down? Because then it's like, where do you draw the line? Like... Should you take down every political subreddit, like ones you don't agree with? But the, re- yeah. the excuse Reddit gave was so stupid. They were like, they said something like, you know, we're only taking down ones that affect the, like, you know, people who are in the majority or something. It was so, it was some really weird thing. They said something like really thing. What? I, I, you can look at the post on Reddit. I forgot. It was like by the mods or the dev team, but um, I have to pull it up. But I, I'd honestly be more fine with it if Reddit just said, hey, we're shutting these down because we don't like them. <laughs> Yeah, they, see that—that's kind of what annoys me with a lot of this. Can you like? I just wish a lot of these companies, or if we're just talking about the mainstream news, a lot of these so-called journalists would just admit as to what their political biases yeah. are and be upfront about it yep. instead of feigning objectivity right. and saying, "Well, this is obviously problematic and hate right. speech." They're just like there's so many uh, journalists that on mainstream news, both conservative and liberal, that don't yeah. even really strike me as journalists in the idea that they're objectively covering the events that are unfolding in the world. No, they strike me as opinion hosts. Yeah. They, they have a particular set of opinion and political biases, and they're uh, pushing a particular agenda. Yeah. And I would be f- I'm fine with that if they would just be upfront and honest about it. Like just right. be honest, like, here are political biases, this is what we're doing. Right. Instead of... Yeah, I mean, but then again, it's tough, you know, like... If, you, if they did say that, they might get even more backlash. <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely true. hard. I mean, what do you think? Another thing that might have come up in our class is uh, this issue of geolocational filtering. You got mm-hmm. me thinking about it with the China comment. But I know that Google wanted to provide its services in China, and China said, yes, you can provide our, your services here insofar as you abide by our censorship rules. Yeah. Right. So, if Google is going to be in China, then uh, people who are using Google in China won't be able to find the Tiananmen, Tiananmen Square massacre in China. Yeah. And my initial response to that was, well, Google shouldn't do business in China. But then the counter argument was, look, um, we want to give the citizens of China some access to Google. So yeah. the choice is between giving them no access to the platform right. and giving them some access, albeit in a censored way, because we're abiding by the Chinese yeah. Communist Party censorship rules, then we should give them some access, yeah. right? Some information is better than no information. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any problem with that. I mean, they're a country that can make their own rules. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, uh, you know, I agree with everything there, but like, you know, I mean, if that's the rules of the country, Google knows it going in. It's not like they're getting, you know, you know, they're going in and then it's changing. I mean, that's, you know, I think, I think it's fine. Um, I think it makes the world a better place, Google. You know, having search, having access to information. Um, so I don't know. I don't see a problem with it. Do you think the internet in general has made the world a better place? Uh, it's funny because so when like the thing was like when we were blowing up, whatever, and all these things were happening, I was like, the internet was a mistake. <laughs> like I was like, the internet was a mistake. Um, no, but I definitely. But the, the thing is, like, then I thought about it. Like, my grandma was like, oh, like she's like she's like, we would have been better off without the internet. 
And I was like, well, like think of all the things that happen because of the internet. Literally everything that happens in the world today is run by the internet. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing, like moving goods, like, you know, manufacturing goods, you know, just like interaction. Like I'm able to text you. Like I don't have to send you a mail on the letter. I don't have to call you. Uh, letter by pigeon. Yeah, there's no pigeon carriers anymore. <laughs> but like, I think the internet's good. I think, you know, it's definitely has problems. I think at the very least, you know, people talk about how in the early 2000s or the dawn of the internet age, there was this dream that the internet would just be a complete uh, positive and it would just function to democratize all information. And in some sense, it's done that. Yeah. But as we're seeing now, I feel like in another sense, it's making public discourse a lot more epistemically unhealthy by, um, you know, trapping people in these online echo chambers mm-hmm. and leading to the proliferation of fake news and right. all of this stuff. So in some ways it's made, it's actually made communication worse, but obviously, I mean, there's so many things we could talk yeah. about here, right? Like, yes, you can, um, is Google, Google knowing is good because I can know any information that's on the web in a couple of seconds just by using my phone. But, um, at the same time, it seems like we're, we're almost knowing less. Like we're not recording as much information mm. in biological memory anymore because there's no need to. Why, yeah. why would you need to memorize anything yeah, exactly. if it's on your phone? Yeah. I mean, I like every time I try to look something like, you know, when I'm writing code, I'm just like, oh, how do you do that again? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it up. Uh, but oh yeah, the echo chamber thing is interesting. So, so basically like we didn't even realize we were creating it, but we essentially created a, like a vertical social network. Um, so like horizontal is like Facebook, right? Like very spread out, lots of different interests. Right. So ours is like a very niche, like vertical community. Right. Um, right. and we actually read this article after we did it, we read this article that was out by some investor about like why they think the vertical social network will be like the next big thing. And like all the points now were really good. And we actually like proved all the points, you know, like status driven, people want status on it. Like, you know, you can say anything, you can say things you wouldn't say anywhere else. Like on Vespro, you could say things you couldn't say anywhere else. Do you know, post stuff you wouldn't post anywhere else. Um, super strong vocal niche. Like we checked off all the boxes, but like there's one reason it won't work is because literally when you have like uh, a community that's really strong and vocal, it's going to become an echo chamber because they're not going to want anyone else in there. And it could have, we literally, so we have bros, but if it was any other vocal niche, it would have ended the same way. Like if it was any other really strong vocal niche that didn't let anyone else in and was had their own community that say whatever they wanted, it would have ended in this literally the same thing. It just would have been different people, you know, being attacked, different, whatever. Like, I really think like if you, if you put together like people in a space, like where literally all they, all they hear is like echo Mm. and the same people saying the same thing, it's just not good. Mm. Like Twitter is like, you know, Twitter people say it's an echo chamber, but it's like really not because like you could like post something and like, you know, even if you don't know the people, people will start just commenting and be like, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. <laughs> right, right. I guess, I guess, could you, you can, you can use Twitter and Facebook and these other horizontal platforms in such a way where it does become an echo chamber. Like if you just follow people that right. share your views or have a similar right. worldview and you block people right. that, that yeah, then it is, denounce yeah. you, then you can kind of like foster this echo chamber, yeah. but it's not, it's, it's not structurally, uh, built so as to necessarily foster the echo chamber in the same way that right. these vertical platforms are. Yeah. You have to go out of your way to do it. <laughs> yeah. For us, you had to just download an app. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I mean, we learned that the hard way. I, I, that's like, we were thinking about like, you know, could we build another vertical community? Like a di- pick a different vertical. I don't know. Gamers or, you know, this or that X, Y, Z people who like food, whatever. But like, number one, they have to be like really vocal about it. Like if we made something for, you know, gardening, I don't think people would download a gardening community app. Like they just don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't care enough. Like this was something like that, like was so like 
you know, uh, polarizing that people like were willing to like, go out of their way to do it. Yeah. It does seem like there are a lot of pros to the vertical community, like with the horizontal community, with just all voices on there, yeah. just screaming at you at right. once. It can kind of almost be like just overwhelming. You don't yeah. even know what to believe, or maybe th- that'll incline you just to listen to the voices that you like, because right. there's just so many voices where right. you, you can, it's just easier if you know you can go to a particular community and get a particular perspective or get a, a group of people that are talking about some topic that interests yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's good in a way, like where you said, you can have like very specific things that you're interested in. Um, but I think the thing is, it needs to be something you care about enough to go out of your way to, to download that app and be part of that community. And um, I think the only way, to, I mean, the only way I see it happening, maybe I'm wrong, is like it has to be something that's really vocal. And people who are really vocal and whatever about a certain topic, like end up doing bad things when, you know, they get all together, you know. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there is some some future for it, but I, I don't think I want to build it. <laughs> It kind of goes, maybe it goes back to the point that uh, I was making about branding too. Like, like if, 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 um, if the app that you create is almost too narrow or too vertical, if yeah. you want to expand the app yeah. to include more things in the future, maybe it'll be hard to do so because of how you initially designed it. Yeah, we were locked in. Uh, there's the name Vispro. I mean, it had the word bro in it. And that was part of the decision to shut down. Like, you know, like if we change the name of the app, like, I think a lot of people would have left. I think people like came for the name a lot of them. Yeah. Um, that whole concept. But just having that name will get you canceled. Yeah. The, I mean the, the thing is like name. at the end of the day like I the, 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 the way I tell people is like I'm proud of what we did but I'm not like proud of what we created really. Yeah. Like I'm proud of like what we accomplished in doing it but like at the end of the thing like I wasn't proud of that. So like that's like one of the reasons I stopped. Like it wasn't something that I was like happy put it like happy like having my name on it and like putting it into the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to be proud that it just, it demonstrated what you're capable of. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know that, like, yo, look what I did in three weeks. Yeah. I got Forbes writing about me. Yeah. I mean, like, like, literally, like, I told people, like. It was was, completely organic. Exactly. Like, what happens if you actually sat down and had a more crystallized vision as to something that you really believe in? We had zero marketing dollars. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, dude, like, that's the thing. I was like, you know, people were like, you know, oh, you shouldn't pass this up, you know, try to do something, like you'll never have this again. I was like, dude, like I did this in three weeks. Like now I have the confidence that, you know, I could make something 10 times bigger if I sat down and like, didn't do it as a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't think I didn't treat it as a joke. I treated it super seriously, dude. Like I literally like when we got back from school, the last seven weeks of class, I literally did nothing. <laughs> I was working on this the whole time. And like, I was taking a big bet. I was like, you know, like I, you know, well, it was good. I passed out all my classes. So I had that as a safety net. Yeah. But, um, I was like, I was so, I was so sure this was going to work. I was like, so happy. I was so ready for this to work that like, I risked so much for it to happen. And like, it did. I, it, in yeah, some sense it did. It did work. Yeah. Um, and now the thing too is like, I have like a great story, a compelling story. If I have a new idea, you know, I start getting some traction. Like I could say, Hey dude, like, you know, you should work on this with me. And before they're like, Oh dude, that's stupid. Whatever. I'm like, dude, yeah, it's stupid. But I did this stupid thing. <laughs> like, what Who are you? Yeah. It's like, like yeah, I check go, out this Forbes article. Yeah. I can go to investors and be like, Hey, you know, I built this thing. You know, a lot of investors like that, apparently like, um, that my friends knew, uh, some of my friends knew they they were like interested in, in like, you know, talking to us. They liked us as like a team, but they just didn't want to be associated like with the whole brand and stuff. Mm. So, you know, if we make something new, who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you just gotta be confident that you can do better. Like, I think it's a pretty bad outlook if you're, th- if you're, if you're looking like the best we'll ever do in the rest of our lives is, you know, or this is the best thing we'll ever do in our lives, bro app. 
Yeah. Um, I feel I don't know, I feel like I've heard that advice from entrepreneurs at some point, you know, that a lot of people, the moment they get any inkling of success, they'll jump on any opportunity to monetize it because they're operating under the assumption that um, maybe this is the only opportunity yeah. we get. We better jump on that. But but to have that assumption is to not believe in yourself sufficiently to know that um, yeah. you could create something better in the future. Yeah, I think you need to be, you definitely need to be confident and like you just have to keep having like, you know, just thinking and making new things. But like, I think part of the thing is like, it sounds dumb, but you can like be, I mean, it happens to everyone, dude. You can like be trapped by success. Like people are getting talking about, you know, they're trapped, you know, they're failing or whatever. But like so many people do like have the same job and like it's a comfy job and they're just trapped by success. Mm-hmm. They don't want to try anything new. Like same thing with this dude. Like I don't want to feel like, you know, just because we had 100,000 users that like I'm trapped to have to keep working on it. Because mm-hmm. I know like I could walk away like I did and do something way bigger. And like now I'm working on a project now that I think could be like 10 times bigger. What's the new project? Uh, I haven't like ironed it out yet, but it's another social app. But it won't be like a bro app. I can promise you that. <laughs> it'll be like for everyone or more people. You know, it'll be more like broad. Um, it should be really fun. I should hopefully have it done in a couple weeks. Can you outline the basic vision behind the project or do you want to keep it on the DL? Uh, I'll keep it on the DL for now. I'll tell okay. you after. I'll tell you after. Okay, okay, it works. Yo, by the way, I have this, uh, just going back to the whole Zoom thing, I just yeah. want to read this. Uh, a US-based group supporting human rights in China says it was outraged that the video company Zoom temporarily shut down its account after it held an event on the platform in remembrance of the Tiananmen Square massacre. Um, blah, 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 blah. The group said more than 200 people had joined the Zoom conference. The Zoom account used for this conference displayed a message that had been shut down. Zoom has not responded to our request for an explanation. I just like, what kind of justification could they give for doing something yeah. like this? Seriously, what, yeah. what, what's the justification? I don't know. They are th- other than they're in cahoots with China. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pro-free speech, so I mean, I, I don't agree with it. But I mean, it, the, thing, the thing I'll say is this. I think the thing is, it definitely sucks because like when you have like this company, like when you have a company and you're growing it, like there's different battles you have to fight. And like, there's so many different strings pulling on you. Like, we even had that, like, when we had invest, like, you know, people wanted to invest in us. Like, there's like different strings pulling on you. Um, and like, I'm not like excusing their actions, or whatever. But like, it becomes really complicated when you have all these people like who have a special interest in what you're doing, and you have like your users, you have like your values. But at the end of the day, like, you know, maybe you know, if they, I don't know who their investors are, but like, say, you know, say they're investors, say, say you have an investor of someone like in China, right? And you don't do something like same thing with uh, what was it, the NBA dude, yeah. Uh, like, you know, like, dude, there's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. Like, it's a lot of money. I'm not, I, like, it's tough, dude. It's easy to say, like, like here, you know, like what we would do. But like when there's real money on the table, like when you're wa- in that position, yeah, it's like harder. we walked away from, you know, a valuation of like, you know, X million dollars, which is like crazy. But like, dude, if I was Facebook, dude, the stakes are a lot higher. Right. And then you think about like, okay, like, you know, I would have, you know, X million dollars and how much good in the world could I do that? How much good would it do for my family? Like there's so many different things that play into it. So it's like, it's like I don't know, dude, like how much you want to trade, you know, to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. So with the NBA one, that was uh, this past fall. And I think there was a manager for the Houston Rockets who was supporting the Hong Kong protests yeah. and China got mad and I don't know, they, they want him to apologize or something in response to this. And and the criticism to the NBA was that it seemed like the NBA kind of just bent the knee to the Communist Party of China because it was in their financial interest to do so and weren't necessarily defending uh, free speech mm-hmm. when they should have. And I know right. that there's another instance of a 
player for the Blizzard company, yep. the Blizzard video game yeah, company, yeah. who also won a competition and was supporting the Hong Kong protests. And I think, I don't know, I think they demonetized him. I, I forget exactly how it shook out in the yeah. end, but it was the same thing. That does concern me, though, yeah. if you're just so financially dependent upon, especially uh, China. Someone put it to me, I was talking to someone about China recently, and they were saying, you know, the, the, and, and I'm not going to act like I'm a China scholar or I have any in-depth knowledge about uh, just like uh, like our economic relations with China and the impact of that. But they were saying that one of the hopes in, in economically opening up China in the 70s was um, if, if we export uh, capitalism or if we, if we make it so they're a capitalist society, then democracy will follow. But it seems like the opposite has happened. We've imported authoritarianism. Yeah. In some sense, because we've become so economically dependent on them and we're more likely to, you know, maybe bend the knee and not defend free speech because we're so financially tied to China. Yeah. So we've imported some of the more of their authoritarianism instead of exported our democratic ideals necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I really don't know too much about like politics and that whole stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough, dude. I mean, a lot of companies are invested, have like big investors in Saudi Arabia and, you know, just different countries around the world. Um, it's tough, dude. The thing is, like, even with this, like, there's no easy answer. Like, like it's you know what I mean? Like, it's like tough, dude. There's no easy answer to to stuff. Is like when it's you, it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when the stakes get high, dude, I can see like our stakes weren't that high. But if you're like an all in, dude, with like you know, hundred million dollars, you know, on your hand, then I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it is easy to on my podcast just like criticize these people. Like, why yeah. are you standing up for free speech? Yeah. But when you're actually in the thick of this with all of this pressure, just yeah. uh, it's tough weighing down against you. It's like so tough. It's like I don't know, dude. It's uh, yeah. I mean, you have to do what you, you have to do what you think is right to like a certain extent. Like, for example. Um, we were talking about adding like social login to our app, you know, like login with Facebook, login with, you know, uh, you know, uh, Twitter or whatever, Google. And like when you do that, you lose, you give a lot of user data to them. You give a lot of data of what people are doing in your app. They can track stuff. Um, but like we didn't end up doing it like this new app. I think I will because like, you know, it's like you're not giving up too much data, right? You're not, you're not doing anything too bad. But like it helps you grow at a faster rate. People are more likely to sign up. They just have to click, you know, add, you know, sign up with Google instead of their email. And also right. solves tons of problems, dude. Because like when you build your own email login shit, like you know, people can spam accounts. You have to like Google, Google, and whatever have built all that email verification stuff. Like stop people from spamming and you know, valid e- real emails. You know, like it's like like you know, you have to just fight your battles. Like that one, like you know, they they get some user data, Google. Like okay, I can live with that. Like, could I live with some some girl getting hurt because of things being posted, like you know, about her? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, on that on that data point, this is something else I kind of wanted to talk to you about. Um, just this surveillance capitalist society and the attention yeah. economy. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like this is another one of those things where um, people just kind of willingly give up their data, and it is convenient in a sense, but now. These algorithms know more about me in some ways than I know about myself, and they're so good at yeah. at targeting me via certain advertisements and, and also so good at just capturing my attention. This is one of the biggest things that I've struggled with. I've just, I'm just com- yeah. com- 
constantly bombarded by all these different apps which are competing for my attention. Mm. And I find it increasingly difficult just to sit down for a couple of hours and completely unplug and just read a book and engage in kind of deep reading. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you, you have this too, right? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely we're just like so plugged in. I mean, I think the thing is like, um, I mean, yeah. this goes back to kind of the it's question tough. I was asking earlier about whether the internet has been good or not. Like in yeah. a sense it is because we want to get as much, you know, there's this assumption that if, if you can get as, in, as much data inputted into your brain as possible, yeah. that's going to make us smarter. Right. But is it, is it making know. us smarter or is it just making us uh, a lot more distracted? Yeah. And unable to actually ref- like sufficiently reflect and synthesize different information. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's really what you what you use the internet for. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. It's a uh, I mean, I I think if you use the internet the right way, like for you, I think I think you can be fine. Like I know people like like my um one of my uncles, I think. Yeah, one of my cousins. He, uh, like, he never has a smartphone. He just goes on the internet, like, does his thing, you know, for work, whatever. Doesn't have a smartphone, so he's like, he doesn't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? And maybe that's the way to do it. But like, also having your smartphone is nice, dude. I can see what people text me. I can, you know, be plugged in, you know, when I want to. But then it's like, how do I unplug? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no unplug button. For um, me, it's just the incessant distractions, which I don't even really note as they're occurring. It's yeah. the, you know, going down a random YouTube rabbit hole yeah, for yeah, 20 yeah. minutes and then <laughs> realizing that you lost all that time I know. without even seemingly making the decision to do so. It's almost as if the algorithm was just pulling you in. Yeah. You start watching something and then you end up watching some like TLC garbage or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You're like, wait, well, how did I get here? You well, know, one well, thing that really annoyed me, um, I, so I use Google Chrome. Yeah. And I was looking for a present for my dad. I always search incognito when I'm searching for, um, you know, like presents or uh, one so they can't like see whatever. My parents have to like, go on my computer or something. And two, it's like... Can I ask you a question about yeah. that real quick? Um, is incognito... Someone was telling me recently that you really should just get a, a VPN. Like you need a VPN. Yeah. Um, I don't have a VPN. I know people do. I use my friend sometimes. He has one at a server. Um, I use it for some things. But... Uh, I don't know. That's another thing. I think a lot of people are like too paranoid about that stuff. Like, I'm mean, not too paranoid, but like, I don't know. Like, most my, likely, yeah. If my mom's on the internet, like searching on Amazon. What's what does it matter? Like, she's not doing anything that's private. Like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? But th- th- actually, speaking on that, dude. So I, I want to Google Chrome, and I was searching for a Father's Day gift. I always search incognito for presents, just because, or just buying stuff. Because I sometimes they manipulate the price, you know, based off of if you viewed the page, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know, what you things you look at. So I, was, I always search incognito and I searched something like for my dad that like, I've never searched anything like it ever on some website that I've never, I forgot what it was, but something I've never looked at in my life. And then I went on my phone on Instagram and two minutes later, first ad that pops up was for that thing. So I was like, <laughs> okay, crazy. something's not right here because I literally never searched that in my life ever. That product, that company, anything like that. I go on incognito, I search it. It's on Instagram. What's happening? Mm-hmm. I was like, I felt like so betrayed. Mm-hmm. I know, it's qu- it's crazy how quickly it happens. Another thing I've been, I'm rereading about uh, brain-computer interfaces, and Facebook recently announced that it wants to develop some kind of AR, augmented reality, uh, brain-computer interface device that would allow you to type at an extremely fast rate just using your brain. Yeah, But that's... Scary because it opens up the possibility that surveillance capitalism will now be able to extract not just our behavioral data online, but our neural data, yeah. like actual like yeah. data from our brain. <laughs> like they're actually yeah. inside our brains now. That's like um, 
Oh, what was it? Oh, I remember what it was. Yeah. The new iOS 14. Um, it's coming out and it has on the phone, on your phone, on the top bar, it's going to have a little like uh, a little dot showing when you're showing when the microphone is active. Okay. Because a lot of apps have been found to like be tracking your voice in the background. Yeah. Someone's um, telling me that Alexa does that. Yeah, Alexa does. So the iPhone will literally have like a little thing. Clever girl. A little thing that like shows when your voice is active. Like not like the not like the microphone's like enabled, but when it's actually recording. Yeah. So it's gonna do it's gonna be a lot of companies that are gonna have to write rewrite their code, I think. Wow. That's weird. It's more than I bet it's more than you think. Yeah. There seems to be like I think maybe we talked about this in the class, but it seems like people just don't care as much when they're being, uh, there's surveillance done on them when it's uh, surveillance capitalism. But like, like, so like, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but this is one analogy I keep coming back to. If someone was just, there was some business that was just standing outside your window, just peeking in, watching <laughs> all of your activities and trying yeah. to, trying to get an understanding as to what kind of person you are, what you like, what your habits are, then at the end of the day, they go back to their company and advertise you based upon that, that would be horrifying. Yeah. It would be a clear invasion of your privacy. But when these companies in, engage in, in uh, surveillance capitalism and you know take your data, uh, not in the physical realm, but the digital realm, yeah. we're okay with it. Maybe just because it's convenient. Yeah, so I, I guess the question convenient. would be, what is the, dis- what is the ethical differences between those two situations? Yeah. Or are, are, are our intuitions just misfiring? Are they the same ethically? I don't know. I think it's different because you're like log on to computer and you're like physically you're you're like, you know, I guess like, you know, going to a website. It's not like they're coming to you. I guess I guess you I guess it's <laughs> true. I don't know. Yeah, like, you're kind of it's almost like you're inviting someone over yeah. to so like and yeah. you agree like you invite someone over to your you're house, they're your like, address. Hey, we're gonna like watch you in your house and you're like, yeah. are you okay with this? And you're like, Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I think the thing too is um like, do even our terms of terms of use, whatever privacy policy, dude, is so stupid. Because like we had our lawyers look it over and like write it, whatever. Dude, it's so ridiculous. It was like basically like you know we can use your data for anything we want. We can collect any like that's like the terminology that these companies use. Like you know <laughs> if we see it fit to collect this data or you know it's like so stupid. It's basically saying hey we're doing whatever the hell we want. Yeah. I mean we had that too just because like that's like the boilerplate, but it doesn't mean that we did anything bad. We didn't sell our any users data. Like people literally. I had some people who like have like companies um, that sell products or like um, I have this other guy. Um, a few people were like, hey, you know, we'd be interested in buying, you know, your user base. And I'm like, we're not selling you our user base. Like they gave, they gave us our email. We're not selling it to you. Like, you know what I mean? We didn't, they didn't sign up on your website. Um, if you want to like, sure, if you want to like, you know, have our user base, you can buy our company. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I mean. I feel but like it was in your, your right to sell their yeah, data yeah, to them could. if you wanted to based upon your terms. Exactly. But I, I, I don't think we should. I, we didn't do, we didn't do anything that, I mean, people wanted us to, to buy our user base, but I don't think so. But in a way, in a way you're doing that when you advertise anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, if there's anything else you want to say or plug, feel free. Yeah. Uh, well, my, my new thing's coming out hopefully soon, but keep it posted. <laughs> Word. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, thanks for coming on, man. This yeah, has been thanks fun. for having me. Yeah.